0: This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Mary Schrader talks on transforming families.
1: One body.
0: Are families under pressure to follow the culture?
1: Stewarding God's creation. One body. One
0: How can we teach children to be selfless?
1: One body.
0: Let's find out. Here's Mary Schrader being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host... Ken Billinger. would
2: like to welcome in Mary Schrader, holds a bachelor's degree in theology from Steubenville University. She's married to Gordon. The couple have seven children, Rebecca, Samuel, Jacob, Paul, Miriam, Zipporah, and Peter. And Mary, of course, is in this afternoon to talk about transforming family life. And Mary, welcome in. Uh, of course, Mary's not a stranger to Divine Mercy Radio. She has been on before, but... Let's talk a little bit about uh, transforming family life. Of course, your family doesn't conform to this culture. Instead, your family is an example of how family can be transformed. Tell us a little bit how you you and Gordon use family life to transform the culture And is this something you both discussed prior to marriage, or is this something that kind of evolved through your marriage?
3: It's definitely something that's evolved as we've uh, gotten married. Uh, To say that we discussed it before marriage would assume that we actually had some idea what marriage was before getting married.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) You know, we go through marriage prep, but it's just difficult to really grasp all the concepts, the ins and outs, the understand uh, the depth of the sacrament and what this life transformation is when you get married, and so you can't really think of all these things, and we've been married now 13 years, and uh, I think it's taken that long to kind of process and come to grips with, uh, like, I couldn't have answered this question, say, five years ago, but right. now I can kind of put, sure. put put words to it and understand it, and I um, have no end of thanks to God for stumbling into a really good marriage, <laughs> since I didn't really know what I was doing when I did it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Right.
3: But God has a great sense of humor.
2: Yes, he does. Let's talk about, uh, there's a number of topics we're going to get into this afternoon. Let's talk about openness to children, first of all. Uh, You guys have certainly answered that call. I've been open to children with seven youngsters. and, And let's talk about NFP versus contraception. Share your thoughts there, if you wouldn't mind.
3: Well, first, I just want to put a plug out there, or just for anyone who never really thought about this. So many times people um, see families that practice NFP, and they're large families, and they think, well, NFP must not work. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I just want to say, just because we have lots of children doesn't necessarily mean that NFP doesn't work. We just, in our family at least, we happen to really like kids. (laughs) And, I mean, if you can handle them and we can provide for them, I think that's, you know, God blesses us in that. And so I don't think that's a a detriment. But I just, I feel like so many people, you know, there's that meme going around Facebook and it's got the mom, the lady sitting there, you know, all distraught. And she says, just not my NFP teacher. She has nine kids, you know, like, like for some reason, having all these kids somehow disqualifies you for being Mm -hmm. able to practice this method effectively. And I just want to shoot that down and say, that's not necessarily the case. (laughs) Isn't it
2: crazy how many misconceptions there are out there? Pardon the pun, I guess. But anyway, it just seems so crazy because you hear things all the time and you just kind of scratch your head. And the, the culture today, which is really what we're talking about, but just the culture and the way things are looked at anymore. And I, I'm sure you, you've talked before about the questions you get. And, yeah. And some of the really, <laughs> I'll just say it's really stupid questions you get. And so just, I guess, handling them with that, uh, well,
3: that kind of. Yeah. It's you know, just entertaining because sometimes, I mean, you have those aha moments. And I don't, now I've realized. Sometimes people are just having an aha moment, and that's okay, and sometimes you just say stuff because you're finally processing things, and I get that. I'm not offended, so to speak. It'd be hard to offend me nowadays. With comments on my family or anything, I'm like, whatever. I don't care what you think. Yeah,
2: well, and that, and that's a, you know, that is the one thing you talked about with NFP. You hear that, and there are, I've, I've got friends that I know that, that practice that as well. And, and um, uh, one particular good friend, and they, they're kind of a split family. They've got the older three, and then the younger three. One actually graduated college already, but there's uh, the twins now, who are I call the Miracle Marys, because it's Mary Ellen and Mary Elizabeth, and it was a, cr- a beautiful story what happened there in a surprising that they're both they both survived many uh many uh they were in a situation where they were encouraged to abort one to save the other they said no we're not going to do that and now they have the miracle marys i think who turned nine last week oh wow and it's such a cool story and to see him at mass and everything else great people but um you know and, and so those were questions that that they talked about that they you know those are the comments that they had as well and so i know that they're out there so any more on that particular topic actually or, yes yeah. i have, so, more. I have Lots I, more I to figured say. you did, so I didn't <laughs> want to cut you off there. No,
3: so. I remember, I was going to share a little story. I was remember when this kind of hit home for me. I was driving somewhere, I think to Plainville maybe, and I was listening to a Catholic radio station. I think it actually might have been through Divine Mercy, but um, somebody had called in, and they were basically asking um, for medical reasons if it was okay to use like, contraception because they couldn't risk a pregnancy right now because it would be detrimental to her health or whatever. And they were like, well, but we we have this very serious reason to not have children, so can we use contraception? And that really hit home with me just thinking, I mean, that sounds like on the surface a very legit reason to do that. But it really hit home with me, the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is that we seem to think, and this is what our culture tells us, that we're owed to be able to indulge our passions whenever we want. Like, that's, you know, what every every woman should have a right to have this contraception. She have a right to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, with no consequences. Everyone should. And it's like, we need to take a step back and really think we are rational beings. We can control ourselves. We can decide. We can maintain this, you know, and that's what NFP teaches you. It teaches you to be aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it, not just act on impulse and to really master your body. And so I just feel like that's an important part that we've lost in our culture because they just keep pushing like. Um, Well, if it feels good, do it, you know, (laughs) you should be able to and you and now, you know, it's becoming back to like where we have abortion, we have to pay for and we have to pay for contraception and everything with our health care. Like, how could we possibly not provide this for people? And and I just feel like that's um, such an insult (laughs) to women because we are. Um, it's degrading to us it's taking away some of our humanity and saying well you can't do this and i'm not saying i'm a saint and that we do everything perfectly but i mean you need to strive for this higher calling you need to strive to master yourself and to choose your the better good and whatever that may be and you need to discern and seek god in your own family when when is a good time to have children or when it's not or do we have to abstain i mean the concept of abstaining after you're married is like foreign to our culture, but it shouldn't be. You know, sometimes that's what God calls of you. Our um, life isn't meant to be, you know, just a walk in the park. We have to grow in virtue and, and learn and follow in Jesus' steps. It's not just some, you know, lollygagging along until we get to heaven. So,
2: Well, one of the interesting things about that, too, what you were talking about, because uh, from what I understand and my my little knowledge of things, but again, you get into contraceptives that in and of themselves cause a lot of issues as well so oh, are you yeah. not just saying okay we want to we have because of a health issue I'm going to take this to create another possible health issue oh that's um, a
3: really good point no I hadn't yeah. thought of that but that's true too Yeah, <laughs> I
2: but...
3: mean and that's something that I really applaud my husband for because he was he's made it very clear that he doesn't want me I mean obviously we're Catholic and we wouldn't choose it but he's like hormonal birth control, contra- inducing poison into your body to avoid a baby is just wrong on so many levels. And he's like, I would never ask that of you. And I really just am so in gratitude to him for, for loving and expressing it that way, that he would never desire that. Because there's so many, I mean, out there, the a lot of the, you know, like the pill or whatever, they cause cancer. and They're just terrible, and it's not good for your body to be in that perpetual state of thinking it's pregnant and, you know, going through all this. And we don't even know probably half the effects... What was it? Um, Janet Smith has a really good uh, talk about this. I mean, if you Google her name and look for contraception, why not? She goes into the science of it. She just backs it up totally, but it's just, it, there's been studies, and I remember her saying something like, a certain percentage of people, a good percentage of people that start the pill stop because of the side effects, so, and then there's all these side effects that people report, imagine how bad it must be, you know, these this many stop, but then all these others still report tons of side effects for all these me- these horrible medications and stuff, so it's not this, like, savior that they tend to gloss over and make you think it is. Because it's got, you know, when you induce an evil into the world, it's got consequences.
2: Great point. Let's talk about um, family in general. And this is, um, I I was kind of... Last night I felt good. My I, we, I went out to dinner with uh, my cousin, Father Peter Mice, who is a captioned priest in New Guinea. He's a he's he's here right now, staying in Victoria. But we went out to dinner last night. My sister and my her daughter and, and uh, her two grandkids. And I, I know that the one grandson. It was just so cool. And Father Pete shook his hand and just the way he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a freshman next year at T M P. But just the way he handled that, and I thought he said, "Good to see you too, Father Pete." Just you know, as a young kid, sometimes they're just kind of, "Oh hi," you know, kind of. <laughs> so when I saw that about treating guests and visitors, I kind of that kind of came came to mind. But let's talk a little bit about that and the family and and treating others, I guess.
3: Well, I just have to start with a true confession here: is that I'm a pretty bad hostess. I mean, <laughs> I'm not naturally good at welcoming people or taking care of their needs. It stresses me out when I have to have my family or company over and I'm always, my house is never clean enough and let alone for company and I'm I'm selfish and I'm not good at sharing things. But None of that keeps me from trying. I mean, I know that this is an important aspect, and I want my house to be welcoming even if I don't really want to do it, if that makes sense. Yep. So, like, for example, we do our local Catholic motherhood often meets at my house. We meet twice a month. And uh, if somebody stops by for no particular reason, I, I really try to stop and think, okay, let's welcome this person. Let's, You know, because I think, isn't that one of the corporal works of mercy, welcoming the stranger or something? I don't know. Yeah, but no feeding the hungry, <laughs> giving them a drink, you know, that kind of thing. But, I mean, and this includes... Um, like I I teach this to the kids too I'm like because they're always like well mom so and so's here you know we can't do our work now and I'm like well we're taking a break because so and so is here we're celebrating the fact that they stopped by and you know this is how we treat our guests and I actually have a poster up on the wall I have a lot of posters on our wall but one of them is how to treat guests and so it's like it includes things like um, let the guests go first offer them food and drinks let them pick the game or what toys they want to play with you know and it's like anytime there's an argument I'm always like well let's let the guest go, you know, have the the benefit of the doubt because they are our guests, you know, like trying to instill in them this concept that this old fashioned concept, I guess, that when company comes over, you treat them with respect, you know, you you make it work, you know, it's not like, what are you doing in my house, go away, (laughs) as much as you might want to say that, right. (laughs) But I just think that's important, you know, and who knows if we're entertaining angels one of these days, like they did in the old times, you know, somebody could stop by and you could make all the difference. And I think that's a really important part that gets overlooked. But, um, the one thing that I do want to say is that in serving others, you have to really examine your heart because it can be so tempting if you had a nice house, which I don't see. I'm, I'm saved from this one because my house is pretty dumpy, but, um, you know, it would be like, uh look at my fancy place. Look at all my great stuff. Look at all whatever. You know what I mean? And then when you serve someone, you're you're like bending over to pat yourself on the back. Oh, isn't it great that I offered you these hors d'oeuvres? And isn't it great that you get this, you know, at my house? Because when you come here, we have. We live high on the hog. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't live high on the hog and that you shouldn't have a nice house, but your motivation for sharing needs to be in giving to others for their good, not yours. Right.
2: Our guest this afternoon, Mary Schrader, transforming family life and uh, Mary, of course, has been on with us uh, in the past. Uh, pretty much, uh, it seems like a- almost every carathon we hear from you in one way or another, which is great. So, we're talking a little bit about transforming family life and, and how the family, obviously, you talk about treating guests and visitors, but let's talk a little bit about service. That's something that, you know, we're all called to serve, obviously, but how do you instill that with your kids?
3: Well, in my perfect little world, you know, we go out and we find homeless people and we bathe them and give them clothes and we go serve at the soup kitchen and have lots of food. But, yeah, no, that doesn't really happen. But (laughs) I would really love for that to happen. (laughs) I have the desire somewhere in the back of my mind for something like that. But um, in reality, it looks a little more like we help out at the food pantry now and again. I really need to get back into the visiting the old folks at the retirement home. We don't have any there right now, but I know it's a, a really good um opportunity to go and intergenerational, so good for the kids to go out and really show that they respect um all stages of life because I don't want the elderly to be overlooked or to think that they're somehow less of a a person just because they're old, you know? Right. But um the culture says, you know, focus on your family, focus on yourself. And God says, focus on others. You know, we're all part of the body of Christ. I think sometimes we forget that. We think, oh, well, it doesn't matter that person down the street, they're not related to me or that people I see in the store, I can be rude to them because I don't know them. And I just need to worry about me, me, me. When really, it's like when we die, I think we're going to be a little surprised. God's going to have everybody there. He's like, you're all my children. You know, even if you didn't know each other, even if you only saw each other on the street, like, even if you hated each other, your enemies, you know, you're all my children and we're called to serve each other and to seek each other. And actually, this was really brought home to me, too, on Sunday. Um, this past Sunday, my middle son, Jacob, received his first communion. And Father Fred said in the homily, he's like, so now you're going to receive Jesus. And you don't just pack him in, pack him in, pack him in. I love Father Fred's homilies. But um, he says you have to take him and then let him back out. So you go out into the world, you know. And I thought that really was a good way of explaining wow. to the kids.
2: Yeah, you know, He, the... he has a knack, doesn't he? <laughs>
3: He's unique, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But we really, like, it's a really good point. Like, when we go, when we leave Mass, you know, he says, "Go in peace, to love and serve the Lord," and we're all like, "Thanks be to God." And some days that thanks be to God is like, "Thanks be to God, we survived another Mass." But yeah. it's supposed to be like, "Yay, let's go take Jesus to the world."
2: Right? Yeah, and that's the that's we were talking about that a little bit earlier. I think it was Father Brian Lager. You know, we tend to sometimes people go to Mass and they go, "Okay, good, we're done for the week, and uh, over time that you know we'll see you next week." Uh, but we're we really are we're called to take take the message out and uh, live that each and every day. So, And I'm sure that obviously can be a challenge from time to time. Talking about transforming family life and how the family incorporates faith into daily life, this is something that when we, it's funny, when we talk to, especially, you know, we've talked to a number of seminarians, actually now transitional deacons who will soon be priests, but one of the biggest things they talk about besides, obviously I think one of the most common themes that we see and one of the most obvious has been Eucharistic adoration. But one of the things they talk about is how their family life formed them as they were growing up. And we talk about family incorporating faith in the daily life, including early morning mass one day of the week other than Sunday. Is that something you guys try to do, or is that. Yes, we, yes. Yeah. Well, let's we, t- t- talk about that a little bit.
3: Well, um, it's hard to. I mean, we've <laughs> – the concept came to me to, to go to daily mass, you know, because since we homeschool, I didn't want to – I saw the whole family goes to church. You know, a lot of the Catholic schools go to church at least once, you know, several times a week. And um, I thought, that's really something that's important to us. Now, it's harder because we have littler kids. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like there's been such fruit from it because the children know how to behave, you know. And and sometimes I have to get up and take the baby out, and the older kids have to sit there and, you know, not get in trouble. And it's really good for them. Yeah. But – um. When I was in high school, I used to go to this service in Wichita called Praise and Worship, and it was put on by Chris Stewart, who does retreats now. But um, he always would hold up the book and he would say, this is actually our schedule. See, we come and we do praise and so that was singing. And then there's an and where somebody would talk, and then there's worship where they'd have adoration and confession. And I remember one time he talked for the and part, and he basically said that if you want to be holy, you need to go to Mass once a week at least, um, other than Sunday. And so I was like, all right, let's do that. And from that day on, I've always done that. Um, in college, I was up to going every day, and I've really just fallen in love with the Mass and an understanding that this is um, so beautiful, such the the i don't know i just love the the um what's the word i'm looking for the not the pageantry of it but like the tradition of it Mm -hmm. you know this is how we come together and we break the bread and we have the word and and, you know we're a family and i just feel so close and connected even when i'm constantly telling my children to be quiet and not jump on the pews and the baby is the baby gonna cry no he's not you know it's just the beauty of the mass that's um a really like the heart of our faith you know to go and experience that as often as we can and someday god willing i'd like to go to daily mass every day again but it's mm-hmm. just right now my duties are a little too sure pulled apart,
2: too well we far. it was interesting because we have a noon mass at our parish every day and really a lot of people come because that's we're one of the few noon masses in in oh, i guess in overland park for that matter but the one day was i, I walked in and um I I'd normally get there, try to get there a little bit early uh, during the weekday. Week, weekends is a different story. We we're always there early, but I walked in and I'm I just saw all these kids everywhere. I mean, I saw parents and kids, and I just thought, hmm. Normally they do school mass, and it wasn't that many, but like you'd see at the school mass because we do have a Catholic school there. And and then when Father started talking, he said this is a mass for homeschool kids, huh. and so it was just it was a whole group of and and just I couldn't believe how well behaved they were. Really well behaved, and it was uh, it was a great mass. But we you had kids throughout uh, with their 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 moms, uh, and uh, it was a mass for homeschool kids, and I thought it was really cool. So, and we have one particular young guy. He's a, he's homeschooled, and, and his name is Lance, and he's he helps out. He's starting to serve now. He's getting the age where he can serve, and he's got everything down pat. So I just uh, when I serve as a as a deacon candidate and serve the mass, I just say, okay, Lance, you tell me what I need to do, and I'll just follow your lead. So he does it. He loves that. <laughs> he gets uh, but he does a good job so it was so cool to have a, a mass for homeschool uh, families that's and really neat yeah. yeah so kind of a neat idea so let's talk a little bit more about homeschooling which is kind of what I guess this dovetails nicely into that uh, if we did we get everything covered on on the mass itself that you wanted to show oh yeah
3: that okay
2: was... so it kind of dovetails nicely about openness to homeschooling We're, I, I think I Unless I'm just more in tune, but it seems like I hear more and more about homeschooling and, and the success that people are having with that. But share uh, what, what, what your thoughts on, on homeschooling. And well,
3: in a spirit of full disclosure, I was telling um, Ken this earlier when I was out, or Lester this earlier, um, that uh, we actually do an online virtual school. So technically we do public school at home. So to be official, there you go. But honestly, it's a lot more like homeschool than it is... Anyway, like public school, it's mostly just the books are pretty much the same. But, and I don't know, I don't want to get caught up on this because, I mean, I don't, I feel like I homeschool because it's the best choice for my children and for our family, and I'm not sure that that's the best choice for every family, and I don't want people to think, well, if we don't homeschool, we're, you know, Mary Schrader thinks that we're not very good because we don't (laughs) homeschool. That's not what I'm saying. It's (laughs) got
2: to be right for your situation. Exactly, exactly,
3: and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. But what I would point out was that, um, um, like it says in the catechism, that parents are the primary educators of their children. And that's something that I think gets glossed over in our culture today, because people don't think about that as much. You know, they're like, well, we sent them to preschool, and then we sent them to, you know, kindergarten, we send them off to school. And by golly, those kids, they're just not turning out like I expected, you know, and people are so puzzled, like, well, they just don't sit still, and they don't do this, and they don't do that, you know, like, I, I, I'm sending them to school, you know, what more do they want from me? These teachers, they're telling me this stuff they're doing. And I'm like, well, you have them at school all day, you know, there's this, this sense that like, we ship them off, like, we feel like we're not qualified or something, I don't know. And so we don't want to have anything to do with it, even as little as preschool or, or, for example, like daycare, if you're, you know, have to work, and you're, you're not home with your kids, then you're, you're like, well, this is what they do at daycare, and they're learning their ABCs. And you know what I mean? And they, I know a friend of mine once said she wanted to send her kid to a certain daycare, because she didn't want to have to potty train him and he's like oh well they'll do it at daycare and so it'll be fine and i was like yeah. okay but i i you know part of me is like boy that would be nice yeah. <laughs> but at the same time you know it's like these are your children. They've been entrusted to you. And 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 those um, opportunities are there for you to assist you. But it is our primary role as parents to be the one in charge. Like we're the great superintendent over all this, you know. And in our case, I really feel like God has called us to go ahead and keep them home. And I really like to nurture our environment. Um, you know, my kids are close, I feel like. Like they're their best friends and they're helpful around the house. My oldest is so helpful. Like, she can run the household, basically. And you know. she, how old is she? Um, she'll be 12 in okay. July. So yeah. she is phenomenal. The,
2: the mother hand, kind
3: of. Absolutely. Yeah. But not in a bad way. Right, like she right. Just, she just is great. But, I mean, we would lose her if I was taking her to school every day. You know, we would see her in the afternoon. We'd get her. But then she'd probably have some sort of sport or some sort of practice. And then she would have homework. I mean, she wouldn't have any time to play with her siblings. Where now, she has a lot more time to do that. So I really feel like... That's what works for us. But but I just, feel, I just um, can't impress upon people enough that even if you're sending them to school, you need to be in their life. You need to be aware of what they're doing. You know, and that's what gets me too about like religion once a week, which is good. But you really need religion every day. You know, you really need to be talking your faith. You need to be living your faith. At school, I, my degree is actually in um, religious education, not theology. But um, Sister Johanna was so good. She says that um, catechesis is to putting people in a relationship with the person of jesus christ like that's what we do when we catechize and that's what i do want to do with my children like that's what i'm trying to do with them and you can't just do that with once a week religion where you send them away you know you have to every every moment of your day every action you're with them needs to be geared in a way like you know of keeping god in mind and Mm -hmm. and what you're doing anything you're doing really can be to his glory and you need to remember that it's not like we fit a little prayer time into our day it's like we fit our day into god's choice for us Yeah.
2: And I think that's true with everything. We tend to compartmentalize Jesus. Exactly. I think, you know, I guess that's because I think about it. Used to be days where it's like, okay, well, yeah, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to set you over here on the shelf. Me and the boys are going to go have a beer. You know, and I'll be, <laughs> I'll be back later. You know, I mean, think about. Well, we, you know, we like the
3: sinners' be- mass. So many people go to the five p.m. mass and then go out and. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, what's the purpose here? It's like well I wanna yeah, I'm going to the early mass so I can tie one on tonight. So yeah.
3: But but at the same time, I also don't want people to feel intimidated because you have to start somewhere. And you sure, know, it's sure. not like you're gonna be suddenly moved by the spirit to be this great holy person. You know, maybe it starts with we said we were going to pray at this time, so by golly, put your books down, you know, put your stuff down, get over here, we're going to say a prayer, you know, and even if it's not the whole rosary, we're going to pray, you know, a decade, or we're going to do, you know, X, Y, or Z, we're going to yeah. say a holy hour, or a holy hour, we're going to say the office of readings or something, or we're going to go to adoration for 10 minutes, you know, whatever it is, you start small, and then you build it up as, and, you know, open your heart more as you go and see where God leads you, really.
2: Well, it's interesting because um, it, the, you see that, that, and you're right that it doesn't happen overnight. There's a slow transition, and now I look at it, it might be go, guys going out having beers, talking just about sports and girls and things like that. Now it, it, it it's the, we don't compartmentalize, so to speak. You know, God's right there with us, and we t- that's what we talk about. That's part of it's kind of the center discussion is our faith life. And you look at that transition and go, isn't it a lot more fun to share stories about about god in our lives than a bunch of other worthless n- nonsense that tends to be talked about and so that that's the other thing that i think is, is such a neat part of it is and when we don't when we start to experience that transition and we start to experience that that, that real, really not compartmentalizing god if you will uh and and putting or putting jesus on the shelf so to speak so
3: And I actually was just reading this book today called He Leadeth Be by Walter, I don't know, maybe Sizek. It's this amazing book, by the way. You should all read it. But um, he says at one point in here, Every day, every day of our lives, God presents to us the people and opportunities upon which he expects us to act. He expects no more of us, but he will accept nothing less of us. And if we fail in our promise and commitment, if we do not see in these situations of every moment of every day, his divine will. So I just Mm -hmm. thought that put it really well, like every you know so many people think well we're not doing religion right now but god is still here he's still with us right. you know we're still need to be in tune with him and asking him and seeking his counsel and help and etc
2: i and that's a, that's an area for me that i struggle with sometimes i'm just like i i've got to do this 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 and this it's like okay do you ever think of stopping and, and asking god for help i mean and guidance and, and, and you know we're I, I get still get stuck and i can do this myself not that i intentionally do it but I don't think, I, I don't always take the time to think. And, and when I'm in prayer, it's like he's always saying to me, you know, would you just, you, you need to trust in me. You need to trust in me. You need to trust in me. And I still get that because I still haven't fully done that. And so I, I agree. I think we really need to, it's 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 in everything we do. It's not just... Um, Certain things, or yeah. not right now.
3: When I get busy, it's the worst. And then the kids will come up, and they're like bothering me, and I'm still trying to do something. That's when I'm ready to snap. And then I have to stop and say, "Wait a minute, you know, they're just kids. And <laughs> yeah. is this really as important as I think it is? You know, what, I need to just take a breath." And
2: exactly. Going.
0: We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening on your radio, computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo. Please know, we'll be right back with more from Mary Schrader on Transforming Families. One body.
1: One body. God's creation.
3: This One Body Show is brought to you by Herman Physical Therapy and Wellness. The PT is in. Let's take a question. Can physical therapy help my back pain?
2: In most cases, the answer is an emphatic yes. Back pain can often be managed through specific exercises or with manual therapy to improve the mobility of the spine.
3: Thank you, caller. Troy, we have another question. Caller, you're on the air. Do I need to see my doctor first to get orders?
2: Great question, and the answer is no. Most insurances do not require doctor's orders for physical therapy. And by starting with PT, you can often reduce costs and shorten recovery times from an injury.
3: Thank you, callers, and thank you, Troy. Herman Physical Therapy and Wellness at 2707 Broadway Avenue in Hayes. On Facebook, online at hermanpt.com. 785 621
1: 5888 Good for the body, good for the soul.
0: on one body stewarding God's creation
1: transforming families
0: here's Ken Billinger interviewing Mary Schrader
2: our guest Mary Schrader talking on transforming family life <laughs> and um... We certainly want to, you know, our theme of the Carathon this week, Don't Conform, Transform. Uh, It's really easy to conform. It honestly is. It takes some work to transform. But I can tell you you're a lot happier when you transform instead of conform because uh, this world today is just totally crazy. And it's just, I love Catholic radio because it's really a breath of fresh air, and that's the other thing that it brings. We bring that, the Catholic perspective to things, and and not all the craziness that we hear on on some of the, the outlets that, spout out news if you want to call it that
3: well you know that's a really interesting the way you're putting that i've recently come to realize that um reflecting and such it's like i've come to realize different truths about myself and about our family and about our life and it's it's the same thing with the world you know it's like the all this you're talking about the spouting this nonsense or whatever and the craziness mm-hmm. that's out there it's like people that's not the truth you know we need to sit with it we need to think about it and you if you if you take some time you're like no this isn't of God, this isn't the truth, this isn't how it is, you know? And it's like the same thing. So that whole transforming the world, it's like we just need to sit down and realize what is it and what are we going for, you know, to really...
2: I, I agree, and one of one of my favorite passages in Matthew is because is I think about this, and I it's with Peter, and I can relate to Peter because Peter screwed up a lot, but you know he got back up again, right? But Peter, I think about the the at the point where, and here is here's Peter, the first guy to jump up, right? Here's Jesus walking on the water, and then and of course, what does Peter say? All the other apostles are sitting there, kind of probably I don't know I imagine the boat rocking and they're kind of dumbfounded seeing what could be a ghost walking on the water. Peter gets up and says, "Lord, if it is truly you, you know, command me to come walking to you." Well, he does. And he's focusing on Jesus and he's walking towards him. And then the minute he realizes, "Oh man, the water is churning around me. There's, you know, they're on the sea of Galilee and all this is happening and he starts to sink." And I just I to me the way I relate that is it's much like that in life when we focus on Christ And shut out all the craziness and all that... You know the stuff we were talking about. We're, we do fine, but then the minute we get absorbed into that and and we start taking our eyes off Christ, we begin to sink, and it's really no different. And I, I just I always have to go there. I go there in my mind about uh, thinking about Peter and and the, taking the focus off Christ in the same way with our lives. And and I, I so that for me anyway is a powerful message, and I have to remind myself from time to time not to lose that focus.
3: But the beauty is, if you take that one step further, what happens when he starts to sink? Jesus does. Doesn't say "ha" yeah. and let him sink. He doesn't yeah. let him go down. He doesn't let him fall in the water to teach him a lesson. He goes and grabs him instantly.
2: Exactly. You know, it wasn't, he's right there. It wasn't Peter, you idiot. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, maybe he was thinking that I don't know, but 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 <laughs> yeah, I I agree, and, and and so we have that that the, the by the grace of God, you know, the, God's grace is is wonderful, and so. We just have to get our focus in the right place. It's, a, it's amazing to hear stories of transformation of people who were so caught up in the world and, and they begin to live their life in a different way and find Christ and live their life uh, uh, really along according to God's will or more like it. We, we don't always, we're not perfect, but, uh, but the transformations that happen. And that's what, again, we go back to the theme, transform, don't conform. And we can do that, but it's through Christ that that all happens, certainly. Mary Schrader, our guest this afternoon, and uh, we're talking about transforming family life and um, joyfully living in what the culture would view as poverty, uh, seeking not to be possessed by our possessions. This is This is a topic my wife and I start talking about more and more, and I think this is a great – it seems like we just – we just have all this stuff, and we don't need it.
3: Oh, it's the worst. So first off, I just want to say that, like, this is what I always think of when people say poverty, because, um, you know, theoretically, according to the standards of Ellis County or whatever, you know, we are on the poverty line or whatever or percent of the poverty or something. But I mean, come on, people. I have a house. I have a car. I am cool in the summer. I am warm in the winter. I have plenty of clothes. I have plenty of food. I am in no way poor. Not at all. Like. And there's so many things that we have. So this whole sense of, oh, we're so poor, it's just like, I just want to take people and shake them. No, we're not.
2: (laughs) We have so much. That's (laughs) a great point. And somebody was talking just either, I think today sometime, we talk about, we look at poor. What is poor? Well, poor people uh, in the United States may have air conditioning, have a car, like you said, have heat, have a bed, have a roof over their head, and, and all those things. Poor people in other countries have nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, they I mean, beg
3: in the corner. They yeah. beg in the street corner, so, wearing rags.
2: So it's all kind of relevant, I guess. But what what do we call? I mean, what do, what we call poor? here is it are we really but that's kind of what, a tangent
3: i just yeah this is really though i remember back when um we started to when we were first married actually we both worked jobs for six dollars an hour because you know we were so high on the hog and um we started to get things i mean even with that little meager salary we started to be able to buy things and it kind of blurs your line i remember i started to get into amazon it blurs your line between wants and needs when it comes to your door and it's so handy and i started to look forward to the little packages and you know every little thing and when i didn't have any coming i was grumpy And when i had something coming. I was so excited. And it was just like the center of my little world. And I thought, whoa, I need to take a step back. Like, this is not what this is about, you know? And I realized that even just a little bit, like we never have had a lot, but even just having a little bit, if it causes you to lose your focus, like you need to get rid of it. And so since then, I've just been praying that God would not allow me to be possessed by my possessions. In other words, uh, please don't let me love anything so much that it causes me grief, that I worry about it, that I fret how I would live without it, that I spend extra time with it. Um, These things are to be used and not worshipped. Yeah. That's what I've, I've just been praying, that I'll know the difference, you know.
2: I, I think that's an excellent point. And we, we've been really talking about that more the last year or so, and maybe even through the Diaconate program, that's kind of opened our minds a little bit more, opened our eyes. But we live, we're very blessed. And we live in Johnson County. Johnson County is one of the richest counties in the nation. But by the same token, we ourselves live in a, a modest home. We don't, you know, we don't we drive modest vehicles and good old used vehicles. It's, but... I still look at the stuff that we have, that stuff that we've uh, managed to, you know, pack away, uh, which, you know, if I cleaned out the house now, it'd be scary to think about it. But it's like,
3: You know, I almost feel like we're assaulted by stuff. I mean, it just collects. And, I mean, I try and get rid of stuff, and I've been following the minimalist living, you know, trying to get rid of things. But... I mean, I really tried. I went through a playroom once and tried to get rid of everything. But when you have seven kids and I let them all pick like, I don't know, five toys, that's all the toys in the toy room. (laughs) You know, like a set of toys or whatever. So, I mean, but I really feel like, I honestly feel that way that just there's so much pressing down on us. And it just, you get rid of a little bit and more comes in and you get rid of a little bit and more Mm -hmm. comes in. It's like our um, burden to bear here in the prolific america is that we just have yeah. lots and lots of stuff and it's so disposable that's part of the problem i yeah. think too
2: well and i walk into the closet to get a cl- uh, you know get a shirt out for the day and i'm just everything's packed in there's it's not a huge closet but it's a walk-in closet not a big one not some big glamorous walk-in closet but uh and i go this it's like just can we squeeze anything more in here We're, i don't need all this i mean i would be i would venture to say and looking at the the clothes rack that i have on the top Patty has most of the rest of the closet, but I have my little <laughs> section. Um and I would be I would venture to say that I could get rid of ninety percent of it and still have a few things I never wear. So why is that? I don't I don't understand and I just think that's something that it's like before we ever buy anything else we need to get rid of there's people that need this and can use it more than we can cuz it's just hanging here doing nothing. Why not give it to somebody who can use it?
3: That's very true. So and we are constantly in a flux in our closet but the cool thing is like community assistance our local center has a garage sale twice a month and Everybody who is like you and gets rid of all these really nice clothes, they're available there, and they're really cheap. And so, like, our wardrobe is very fluid. I'm like, well, what do we fit in now? If we don't fit in it right now, let's get rid of it because we'll just go to that garage sale and stock up again. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. So we get just so – and that's really where, I mean, you look at our world today – and the culture and where it is, it's just it's like the more I have, the the happier I'm going to be. The more I have, the happier I'm going to be. They keep
3: be. trying to fill that God-shaped yeah, hole, but it's yeah, just like yeah. a bottomless pit. Not
2: going to happen. Not going. to I promise you, it's not going to happen. We've got um, uh, a few more minutes here with Mary Schrader talking on transforming family life. Let's talk about family goals because I'm sure fa- your family goals uh, probably don't m- look much like the culture's goals for the family today, which is a good thing. That's a that's a compliment. So, <laughs>
3: Actually, when I was going over this, I gave these, these were just spouted off to Donetta one time when I was like, oh, uh, maybe these things. And then I, as I went over these questions again, I was like, I don't really know why I said that one. And I'm not really sure. Our family doesn't really have goals. So I'm kind of like, instead of that, no, it's okay. <laughs> I have another topic. Um, I would say I have a topic of being grateful. So our culture says, focus on yourself. And seek your fortune. Be loud. Be squeak. Be that squeaky wheel that gets the grease. Scream, holler, complain, groan. I mean, don't you see that all over the internet? People are proclaimed oh. for for whining and do it all in the public forum. Nothing is out of bounds. Like good for you. Way to speak up for your whatever. You know.
2: Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite. I, and I don't get on Facebook much except for a page that I do with my little apostolate thing. But the the favorite I I see and I I just I roll my eyes every time I see it. it's like. I am so darn mad. That's the post on Facebook. Okay. Now wait for the comment to come because it will. What are you mad about? Next comment. I can't talk about it on Facebook. Okay. (laughs) Wonderful. Why did you post that? Really? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's not and, the yeah, appropriate
3: forum for
2: that outlet. Yeah, well, just, <laughs> it, it, it just cracks me up. It's like, and yeah, I mean, people do use it for that's their their outlet for complaining and uh, dropping the f bomb there and everything okay. else.
3: And let's defend Facebook a second, though. I mean, oh. this is a group of you can defend. You can surround yourself with with a bunch of people that are kind of nuts, you know, mere acquaintances that you just happen to know one time that really aren't in line with your way of speaking, or you can surround yourself with a bunch of good family, relatives, friends that are in line with you. Like, my dad shares a scripture verse every day. I mean, that's good for me to get on and see every day. You know, I've got people saying, oh, don't forget it's Friday during Lent, or it's Friday in general, I guess, because, you know, we don't eat meat on Fridays anyway. So, you know, things like that, or posting little funnies about... Um, like, I just posted a meme about the, the Jesus and Joseph, and Jesus is like, look, Jesus, I made a stool. What did you make? And Jesus is like, I just made this cross on which, similar to the one on which I'm going to, you know, redeem the, all the salvation of the world. And Joseph's like, cool, cool. Uh, Mary?
2: <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's and that's really what we do. We We made an agreement that we will never post anything political because it's fruitless, because you're not going to win a political argument on Facebook. It just won't happen. Um, (laughs) And so it's in it
3: to me. Well, you know, and I don't like it as an arguing forum. I just – I don't necessarily unfriend those people but I just don't see their posts like that's the beauty of Facebook but so I'm just saying it's a forum that can be used for good as well as evil
2: so set it
3: up for the way you want it and don't whine if it's not but my point about this was just like you know things that go viral there's websites and stuff people complaining about things people outraged over this that or the other okay I just think that we should be shifting our focus. Instead of, like, how much can we whine, how much can we have these problems, whatever, we should be grateful. Take a minute and and be grateful for what you have. For Lent this year, one of my fun things to do was to write a letter. I tried to letter, write a letter every day to somebody that I was thankful for. And, you know, it started with people that I was very thankful for, and then after 40 days, that's a lot of letters. So I was kind of like... You know, I wrote a letter to my dentist, and he was pretty excited, and I wrote a letter to my boss, which I just do, like, part-time transcription work, and he's like, that's nice, but you're still not going to get a raise, but no, (laughs) he liked it. But, you know, it's just, like, that transformed me, because I wasn't looking at my day like, oh, woe is me, this is so hard, I'm so miserable. I was looking at my day and saying, look what so-and-so did to make it better. Look... I'm so grateful that I have a dentist I can go to that does a good work. I am so grateful that I have a doctor that I can go to that I trust. I am so grateful that my children are, I don't know, in some program or have a library here that we can get books. You know, every little thing that we take for granted, we need to step back and be grateful. And instead of whining and complaining, we need to stop and really turn our attitude to gratitude. I know it's so silly, cliche, but it's the truth. And it makes you feel better, and it makes your focus better.
2: Right. And with that, I totally agree. And we we said if we can post something that's uplifting, then that's what we're going to do. But if it's anything other than that, we're just not going to post it. So that's just kind of a rule we stuck by. And I think you're right. It's like anything else. You can use it for good or use it for evil or use it for positive or use it for negative. And we just choose to do the positive too, and so uh, but it is interesting some of the things that we do see and we've had to there's been people we've unfriended simply because it was just so far crazy that it just it's like okay i I had enough of this
3: they can't handle that kind of um, you know responsibility to having that access to people that way if you can't behave appropriately then yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be on the forum. Uh,
2: well, it's kind of funny <laughs> it's because grown up the yeah the other there was another um Oh, the other one, my wife pointed this out. She said, isn't it funny? It used to be people wanted to keep private things that, that they felt should be private, Not, and they got upset when people learned about something that was supposed to be fr- private. Now they get upset when they put something that should be private on Facebook and nobody comments on it. Like huh. you know, uh, and I thought you know that's probably transforming family life is our topic today. And let's. This is one that I think a lot of people struggle with: seeking to embrace suffering and teaching children to do the same I think we're we're in this again in a in a culture today where it's like we, we shouldn't have to suffer that's because it you know yeah and uh, I mean well, doesn't Jesus say in the Bible we won't suffer does <laughs> not it say it all throughout scripture that we'll never suffer
3: yeah because he didn't have it hard at yeah, all either. I mean come on <laughs> So back before when the internet was just getting popular, back before Facebook, people would send forwards through email, and one of these was a little story I got once, and it had like a butterfly, Um, it was about this butterfly, but um, it formed its little cocoon, I guess it's a chrysalis, I always had it wrong, but anyway, this little caterpillar, and it forms its little chrysalis, and it's trying to break it open then to to get out and turn into a butterfly, but it's like stuck, it's really hard to do that, so this person's watching it, and they come along, and they're like, oh, that poor, poor thing, let me get it out of there, and they take scissors, and they cut it out. Well, that butterfly never could fly because it didn't develop its muscles by trying to get out of the right. chrysalis. So, like, that's that's true today. Like, if we never have to suffer, we're never going to be able to suffer. <laughs> we're never going to be able to make it in our life. We're never going to be able to, to do anything worth achieving.
2: I think that's a great analogy, I, and I've heard that story before, but I never really, equi- I mean, put it together like you did. That's a great point. We have to go through that to strengthen ourselves and to be, uh, we we, isn't it? We become stronger through adversity. So
3: absolutely, and and we never learn self-control. We never we never get these virtues if we're not going to practice them. And they have to start. And this is the secret, though. It starts small. It starts, you know, like I always notice the secret during Lent. You know, when you give up something, it starts right now. I really want, say, a Coke, but I gave up Coke for Lent, so I'm not going to have a Coke right now. And that's one little, you know, sticker on your chart, like, good for you. And then after you, or or if you look at it this way, in the gym, that's like doing one rep, you know? Yeah. And then the next day you say no twice, and that's two reps. And then the next day you say no, you know, and then it doesn't even have to be Lent anymore, and you can give things up, and you can master yourself. And this goes back to, like, NFP, too. It's like practicing self-mastery over some of our strongest desires, which is a good, but sometimes we have a reason to abstain, a reason to not have children so we have to practice that self-mastery to wait until the time is right and you know however long that might be and that can be hard but if we've been practicing enduring suffering little bits along the way then you know that's the secret and that's what we need to instill in our children i think i feel like that's um a lot of why some children are you know they've always been everything's been handed to them and then they get out in the real world and it's not handed to them and they can't understand why mm-hmm. and they're not adapted to the world and they need to be so i feel like and being in a big family it's just a bonus because you know you have to learn to share you have to learn to get along cuz
2: i'm <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree and my that's the way my parents were it was like i didn't get given everything i don't think we could have well i mean while my dad provided well for us it was not like we were uh, wealthy Destitute. or anything like yeah. that oh, yeah. but we but we It was one of those things we were taught, you know, it's like um, you're you're just not going to get everything you expect. Everything handed to you, you work for it. And uh, so at, later on in life, at, while the time I may have been grumpy about it, later on in life it was one of the things I really appreciated about my parents because they taught me the value of, of having to, it's not just, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't get handed to you. So it becomes very important, to uh, uh, important learning lesson for children as well. So transforming family life, our topic, any other things? We've still got a few minutes left. Any last-minute thoughts before we wrap up?
3: Um, well, for Lent this year, um, in addition to trying to write a letter, I read this blog post that was really good. And it was kind of about embracing the suffering that's given to you. It's like, or, you know, so I sought to endure the crosses I was given well. And it really opened my eyes to all the little crosses that I'm offered every day, but I just simply don't notice or I avoid or I grumble through. And I think this is common of a lot of people, you know, we kind of just tune it out, like we try not to look at this, that or the other, because it's not, you know, in our focus. And so it's like, just being aware when you're uncomfortable, when you're having to do something that you wouldn't want to do. Like, for example, for me, how many times when the baby crying, like I'm trying to do something and the baby's coming up crying too. And it's like, I can't do both at once. And I get so frustrated inside, but to just take that and say, wow, this is an opportunity to embrace this cross where so many times I would just like send the baby away or make somebody take care of it. Or, you know, there's so many different options to taking care of that. But um, just to be aware, this is, uh, this is causing me strife. You know, to be honest with God, this is, really tough. Like, it's, it was really eye opening for me to kind of just be aware of the different things. And it's not like you need to tell everyone, boy, I'm suffering right now. I got this thing on my toe. I mean, sometimes we do and it's yeah. you know whatever, but <laughs> but just to be aware of it and be present to it yourself so that you can move forward and move past it almost. That's kind of how I feel like once I've acknowledged it and then I can deal with it and move on. So I feel like if you can focus a little more on it, that's helpful, I think, in seeking to begin and grow in virtue of suffering.
2: Well, Mary Schrader, our guest, as always, we enjoy having you come in and share your thoughts.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Show, Stewarding God's Creation. Did you like this One Body Show? Then let us know by dropping in note to comments at dvmercy.com or go to dvmercy.com and click on the One Body icon. Also, if you can help this nonprofit station pay its monthly bills, please go to dbmercy.com and click on Donate. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes and 88.1 KRTT Great Bend. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.
1: One, body. One body. Creation.
2: This is Christian Lutz, owner of Schmidt Monument Works. We are proud to support this one-body show because it enables us to open up Scripture, understand the theology of the body, and how we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. At Schmidt Monument Works, we can help to create a memorial stone for the lives of your loved ones that will be seen for generations. Do not be Please remember to pray for all the souls of our faithful departed brothers and sisters.
1: By name I call you, come to me. By name I call you, back to where you long to be. You are mine, you are precious to me
2: schmidtmonumentworks.com